You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are heading into a time of learning about baptism. This is what May is all about. We are doing some baptism stuff. And so uh, I have packets in the back. If you need it or want it, uh, there's all kinds of stuff in this packet that you may be interested in. Um, It has things like how we baptize, why we baptize, questions that you might be asked. But maybe you are baptized And so there would be uh, questions about, like, maybe I want to reaffirm the baptism I've already done, or dedicate your children. Some people want to dedicate children. That information is in there. So if you're interested at all, you can pick up one of these packets on this back table over here. Also, we're going to be doing a four-week series on what baptism means. Also, it's online at thetablechurch.net forward slash baptism. Also, there's a QR code. Also, you can text us. Also, you can use your blue card. There's so many ways for you to get more information. So if you're at all interested over the next four weeks, please come talk to me about, like I said, uh, child dedication, baptism, reaffirmation of your baptism, etc., etc. We would love to walk this journey with you. Uh, that's the website, what it looks like. There's a place to fill out a form if you'd prefer to do all this digitally. Yes and amen? As we head into hearing from God's word, would you pray with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us We pray that your Holy Spirit would be close to us so that we can hear and receive from you the nourishing word, the life-giving word that you have for us. And as we come ready and prepared to receive, would you help us to be awake, to be alive to what it is you have to say to us. And we will give you praise and thanks, saying these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, we're going to do four weeks on baptism, and most of you are already baptized, and that's okay because I really do believe that part of our discipleship journey is learning to live out our baptism. It really is a lifelong journey of of knowing more deeply with each passing year what baptism means in the life of the believer. But this is also a time for folks who are not baptized to consider, to pray, to enter into discernment process, to do exactly that. And so we're going to take four weeks to remind you of your baptism. Remember your baptism is an old Christian saying when we uh, encourage uh, followers of Jesus to remember what it is, the commitments they made, and the realities that they entered into. And so we're going to take four weeks to do exactly that. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to send them at any time. I prefer that this be more of a dialogue rather than a monologue, and I will do my best to see them as they come in, and we have some time at the end, if, uh, if any come in, to take a look at those. That number will be in the bottom of your screen and is also in your bulletin. But here's how we begin. We all have some concept of baptism. We all have some image of what baptism looks like, and the church has done it differently throughout time and space. Some of us, it looks like this. For some of us, it looks like this. This is how I was baptized. Some of us, it looks like this. I had cousins that get baptized in boot camp uh, right there. For some of us, it looks like this. Yeah. We all have a concept or image of what baptism is, but what is it, and why do we do it? 
What is baptism and why do we do it? Well, before we get into that, I just always like to start with it, that there's a lot of wrong reasons to get baptized. There's a lot of wrong reasons to get baptized. And so I want to go through those before we talk about what God's Word says about baptism. A bunch of wrong reasons. One might be the approval of others. Sometimes we just want our family or our friends to think more highly of us. And so we get in that water, yeah? Sometimes it's an emotional wave, right? Some, I often see this sometimes at youth camp. It's like everybody's doing it and we're all caught up and we just had this really wonderful week. Let's get in the water. But I, and not, you know, listen, we're not asking anyone to question their baptism, but that would not be the way that I would encourage you to do it. It's a public declaration of our faith. You need to be surrounded by your, your people to get on in there. Some people get baptized to be saved. They think they need to do it to get salvation. And that certainly isn't what scripture says to us. One of my own grandfathers admitted to me one time after seminary, we were driving down the road and he said, hey, um, a long time ago, I was supposed to get baptized, and then my, that Sunday, I was going to church, and my dad was like, let's go fishing, and so I went fishing, and do I need to get baptized to get salvation? And I was like, that's not what God's Word reveals to us. That would not be a great reason to hop in that water, um, because that's not where we think the, the locus of salvation is. That's not where we think the focus is. Some people get baptized because they want a fresh start. And again, that is not what Scripture commends us to do. Uh, I've grown up all, in my life with a lot of um, with a lot of people who are addicted, have addictions, and I often hear this from them. They're like, "When I get clean, I'm going to get baptized, and that's going to be a fresh start for me." in my life, and I appreciate the sentiment, and I think that there's some ways in which you can read Scripture in that way, but that's not what God's Word commends to us. This is not a fresh start, starting point type situation where every time you get to a new level in your life, you just get dunked, and <laughs> as a way to, it's like a birthday cake commemoration milestone. That's not what we're doing here. That's not what we're doing here. So first, before we talk about what it is, let's talk about why we do it. Why? we got to figure out our why before we could get into that what. And i got three pieces of information that I'm going to give to you. Baptism, though, ultimately is one of these mysteries of the faith. We talk about it as a mystery. We have a lot of things that we can say truthfully about baptism, but it is a place of mystery for us. So the why can sometimes be a little bit murky, but I'm going to give you as much hardcore truth about why as I can based on God's word. Number one, why do we do baptism? Because Jesus was baptized. And Jesus is the divine exemplar. He is the model of our faith. He is the one whom we are following. And if he does it, we can do it. Yeah? We have the story of Jesus. He gets baptized in the Gospels. Uh, he, does, he gets baptized by John the Baptist at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus is baptized. But more importantly to me, beyond just uh, ex example, is that Jesus commands it. Jesus commands baptism 
for his followers. Matthew 28, particularly, Jesus has just died and then resurrected, and he is meeting with his disciples post-Easter, and he gives them these final parting words. He came to them and spoke to them, and he said, I've received all authority in heaven and earth. So you know what he's about to say is really important, because he's talking about how much authority he has, and how much does he have? All of it. And he says, go make disciples, right? Go make new followers of me, and I want you to do two things with them. First off, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have this Trinitarian blessing command uh, that we are baptizing people in the name of. And then teach them to obey everything that I have commanded them. This is the two functions of discipleship. We get baptized into Jesus, and then we learn to walk out that baptism, obeying the things that Jesus teaches us and has taught. And then Jesus says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So really powerful passage. And so we take, why do we get baptized? Well, one really important reason is because Jesus commands it. He tells us to do it. Beyond that, it gets a little more mysterious. And so if I were to kind of sum up all of my thoughts on the why of baptism and what's happening in the water, and what we believe Jesus is doing in this command, in this example, and in his encouragement for us to get baptized, it's this. Baptism cements what Jesus has already done, and it's a catalyst for what Jesus is going to do in our lives. Some people would say something like, it's an outward sign of an inward transformation. We believe that. That's the cement part. That, That Jesus has already done something in your life. You're at the point of baptism in a healthy way, because Jesus has done something in your life. And you want to declare that outwardly to the world. You want to proclaim what Jesus has done in your life. But we also believe that it's a catalyst for what Jesus wants to do in your life. Cements what he's done, catalyst for what he wants to do. That's my best why of what baptism is about. That's my best why. That's about as much as I feel like I can confidently say to us. But let's talk about what it is then. If that's the why, Jesus' example, Jesus models it, Jesus commands it, uh, what is it? Four weeks, four topics. I did not make this up. There is an organization called the World Council of Churches. And they got together lots and lots of different churches to sit at a table. They've been doing it for 60 years. And one of the things they produced was this document called the BEM, Baptism Eucharist Ministry. And one of the things I love about this is they said, hey, instead of talking about what we disagree about, let's write down all the stuff that we all agree about. Man, I love that. Let's talk about what, not where our disagreements are. Let's not argue. Let's not debate. Let's figure out what we all have in common. And they produced a really incredible document that has a lot of meat and substance to it. So the four weeks that I want to talk about come from there. There are four things that they found that the majority of the Christian traditions in the world is what we all agree about when we do baptism. Number one, it is a participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. Number two, that it is in some sense cleansing and converting. That there is a washing element to what's going on. That's next week. Number three, that there's a sealing of the Holy Spirit and a belonging to the body of Christ. This is initiation into the Christian life. This is our first steps. And number four, it's a taste of the kingdom of God in the world to come. 
It's a sign and foretaste and a promise about what God is going to do in the world in the future. So these are the four things that we're going to talk about. These are the four what is baptism. And today we're talking about participating in the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is wonderful because we just came off a series called Awaken Alive, where we're talking about what Easter means, and we're going to kind of a little bit continue that today. We're going to do Romans 6, 3 through 11. I don't have a page number on the screen, but if you want to read it with me, there's a Bible right in the seat in front of you. First one there wins. No, I'm just kidding. 862, by the way. Page 862, if you're interested. This is our gospel for today. Paul is writing to the Roman church. He's on his way there. He kind of wants to let them know who he is and what he thinks and the story and, and his theology. And so he's writing to this church, and he wants to talk to them about his understanding of baptism. And in so doing, he teaches us so much about participation, baptism as a participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 3, he says, or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in newness of life. If we were united together in a death like his, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. But if we died with Christ, we have faith that we will also live with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over Jesus. He died to sin once and for all with his death, but he lives for God with his life. In the same way, you also should consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God in Jesus Christ. Amen. May God add his reading to the uh, blessing to the reading of the word. And as always at the table church, we do head, heart, hands. Three points that I think we should take away from what we just read. Something for us to know something for us to feel and experience, and something for us to do so that we have a holistic faith that moves from our head to our heart to our hands out into the world. It doesn't get stuck in any one place, and we don't get stuck in our journey. So what does God want us to know? So much. Well, I'm going to sum it down to this. The old us dies with Jesus on the cross and in the water. This is what Paul wants you to know, that the old us the old creation, the old human, the old one that was enslaved to sin and death is dead. Dies on the cross. Look how many times he uses the word know. Don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. Three things, he says, no, no, no. And most of them have to do with what we used to be like, our old self, our old nature, that old creation self, dead, when we are baptized. That somehow this water that we go into becomes a grave for our old creation self, 
that was once enslaved to sin, Satan, self, and death. And I want to take it another level deeper because that's just how I think. But he's not just telling us about some information that happened a long time ago. He's not just saying, he's saying that Jesus is the way. But he also shows us the way. Jesus' death is how we get saved from that old self. But the way that Jesus lived his life is also the way that we should live our life. That, that identifying with Jesus' death and cross is not only something that we can proclaim. That it happened 2,000 years ago, and we're so grateful for it. Thank you, Jesus, for dying 2,000 years ago. But he's saying that cross-shaped life, the way that Jesus walked his earthly journey towards the cross, is also what's happening in this baptism thing. We are, we are participating in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but we're taking on the way of Jesus, the path of Jesus, the way that Jesus lived, and it has to do with death and dying and denial of self. It's both. Yes, 2,000 years ago, and yes, right now, and baptism is our declaration that yes, we want to be a part of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and yes, we want to live the way that Jesus lived now, which is walking towards the cross of self-denial and death. The earliest name for Christianity was called the way because we were learning to walk the way of Jesus and the way of Jesus leads to the cross. And part of our baptism and part of our declaration of our faith is that the cross isn't defeat, it's victory. And that we too need to learn to walk the way of Jesus. You see this in Acts 9 and Acts 19. They called Christianity the way. And there's something about baptism where not only are we, are we, we identifying and participating with, in with what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but we're learning to walk that same way that leads to cross, death, self-denial. Jesus' death is both the ends and the means. It's both the destination and the path. This is what we're doing in baptism. Yes, Jesus, I accept what you did for me, but also I want to learn to walk like you. His death both saves our life and shapes our life. If you want a big seminary word, we talk about cruciform, which just means cross-shaped. In our baptism, we are entering into the cross-shaped life of Jesus, where we are dying to self, where we are denying self so that we can ultimately live, so that we can ultimately have the real life that Jesus wants for us. I got a couple video clips for us today to help maybe illustrate what's going on. I hope two video clips is not too many. Forgive me if it is, but helpful for us maybe in understanding. This first one is from a show called The Mandalorian. You guys laughed too soon, so I think you already knew I was in a... If you don't know, it's a Star Wars-themed show. Maybe helpful, but there's a baptism theme here, but there's also some religious stuff going on, and I think it can help us get a better grasp at what I'm trying to say poorly about this way of Jesus. Take a look.
and then a giant monster attacks them. It's wonderful TV. I hope that does not happen at your baptism, or did not happen at your Knowing that the earliest name for Christianity was called the way, every time they say that, I'm like, yeah. I imagine that's a little bit what like 2,000-year-old Christianity was like. They're like, this is the way. And they're like, yeah, I'm a part of the way of Jesus as well. Baptism is not only about saying yes to what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. It's about entering into the way of Jesus, the way that he lived his life. And that way leads to a cross. But his promise and his power is that on the other side of cross is life. So baptism is both. Yes, what you did, but yes to what you're doing. And I want to identify with both of those things. And that this water becomes a, a, a grave for that old self that lived its own ways, that was enslaved to the old creation. But I want to do this new thing. I want to do this Jesus thing, right? What does that clip have to do with baptism? In baptism, we are identifying with the death of Jesus as the place of our salvation and taking on a way of life that looks like cross, sacrificial living, dying, and denying self. That is, to our ears, not good news. That sounds awful. That sounds awful. And that's why we call this faith. Faith isn't believing, really, that God exists, though I think you should do that. When the Bible talks about faith, it's do you trust that on the other side of these things is a life better than you could ever have imagined? Because that's what Jesus is promising. That's faith. Faith is trust that the way of Jesus actually leads to life and the way of the world with its fame and its money and its success and its power that actually leads to death. That's faith. That's what repentance is. Repentance is going, the way that I thought I could get life was wrong. And the way of Jesus is actually the way we get life. And in baptism, that's what we're, we're, we want to take on that. We want to learn to walk this way. That in baptism, our old selves and lives are buried. That in baptism, we identify with the way of Jesus and cross-like living. This is St. Basil. Basil, if you like to eat food, which I do. But if you want to sound fancy, you say Basel. And one of my favorite stories is that um, one time the emperor of the empire decided he was going to change the Christian religion. He was going to say Jesus isn't God. He was just a human. But we can learn a lot from him. And he sent out all his emissaries and he said, go tell all the church leaders we're changing the religion. We're no longer worshiping Jesus. We're going to look at him as an example. We're going to just kind of remove Jesus from the divine picture. And so they come up to Bishop Basel and they said, hey, guess what? Change, time for a change. And Basel says, absolutely not. Never, I'm never ever, there's nothing you could do to me that would make me change what I believe to be true about Jesus Christ. And the emissary from the emperor said, you don't even know the power that I have over you. I could ruin your life. I could take everything you've ever loved away from you. I can throw you in prison, and I even have the power over your own life. I could take your life from you right now. I have been given that power. And Basel looks at him and says, is that it? And the emissary is like, what? Do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean, is that it? And this is the quote we get handed down to us from tradition. He says, is that all? 
Nothing of what you mentioned touches me. We possess nothing. We Christians possess nothing. We've died to ourselves. We could be robbed of nothing. Unless you demand my tattered rags and the few books, which are my only possessions, exile will be impossible since everywhere on God's earth I am at home. Torments cannot afflict me. I have no body. And death is welcome because it'll bring me more quickly to God. To a great extent, I'm already dead. He has done the baptism thing. Yes, Jesus, what you did for me, I want to be a part of that. I want to receive salvation from your death on the cross, but also I've walked the way of Jesus. I've denied myself. I've given up my attachments to all earthly things. There's no way you can hurt me because to a great extent, I've already died. In that shallow, watery grave of baptism, what are you going to do? Help me get to God quicker? (laughs) Lovely. Do it. I dare you. And the story goes that the, the emperor's emissary was so taken that he converts, right? He comes to the faith because he'd never met anybody so bold. And so, but his boldness doesn't come from being a bold person. It comes from him knowing what baptism means and the place of his safety, security, and salvation. He gets baptism. He gets it. So no, wrapping this up. Well, that, that what is... The grave in which we bury our old self, right? Water is. And our old ways. Identifying with Jesus' death and pledging to live a cross-shaped life the way of Jesus. What does God want us to feel in that passage we just read? What does God want us to feel? Freedom. Freedom from the invisible prison of sin. Can I say sin-visible prison? Is that too cheesy for you? Yes, it is. I hope you remember it for the rest of your life. Paul wants us to know that in baptism, we are declaring Jesus' salvation for us from this invisible prison of sin. What does he say? We wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. In baptism, we are participating in Jesus' life-giving death that sets us free from this thing called sin. Sin, we know, if you've been around the church in any long sense, we know it means to miss, to miss. But what are we missing? We're missing the way, missing the way of Jesus. We're missing the way that actually leads to life, living by God's right standards and ways, ultimately serving ourselves or going our own way over and against God's way. But sin is deeper. It's corrosive. It's a sickness. It's selfishness. Sin is not something that just that you do, but it is a part of all human beings and all of creation. It has just taken over and corroded all of God's good creation based on what we as human beings have done. And Paul wants us to know that we were once enslaved to sin and Satan and self and death and disease. And from Adam and Eve, Adam, to Jesus, sin reigns. Sin and death reign. They are in charge. That's why it's called the old creation. They are in charge of the old ways and the old earth. I mean, literally Christians thought it looked like this. I know this offends our modern sensibilities, but they really did see sin and death and Satan as these these entities, these powers that existed in the world. Our own Bible tells us that death is the last and great enemy of God to be destroyed that there really is this idea that they are in control and that they've been reigning over creation and Jesus' death sets us free and baptism is our participation 
in that free from sin, life-giving death. One more video clip from one of my favorite movies, all the way back from 1994, which was like 10 years ago, right, everybody? Thank you. Shawshank Redemption, prison movie, narrated by Morgan Freeman. Sorry to spoil it for you. The main character escapes, and I think that final climactic scene of escape is a wonderful picture of baptism. Take a look. I cut out the scene of him climbing through the sewer for you all. So consider yourself blessed. It was too gross. Also weird that he takes a shirt off and we're at church. I know it's weird. But once you know that the old Christians baptized one another naked, it's not that weird, okay? It's a perfect picture of baptism in the sense that God wants you to feel free. And, and I think this is what they're playing on here. We all get this kind of understanding. He's free. And, and the first thing that happens to him once he's free from that prison complex is he lands in a giant puddle of water, strips off his old self, his old clothes that identified himself as a prisoner, and just basks in the rain, the, the, the life-giving cleansingness of this rain. This is the kind of freedom that Paul wants you to experience in baptism, that you are free from sin, that old thing that would ensnare us, entangle us, and ultimately lead us to death, part of baptism is our participation in and our acceptance of what Jesus has done to set us free. We are participating in Jesus' death and resurrection through baptism, and God wants us to feel free from sin and the prison of sin, that old, corrosive, selfish, death-dealing reality that we were part of. What does God want us to do? What are we supposed to do with this? Uh... Paul tells us, run in resurrection life. Run in resurrection life. He says walk. But I, want, I would just like to beef it up a little bit. 
You were buried together with him through baptism into his death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in newness of life. This isn't any old ordinary newness. This isn't the same word for new that is used all over the Bible. That word for newness is only used twice in the Bible, this chapter and in the next chapter. He's talking about new creation. You are entering into Easter reality that is something that is brand new in the history of the world. This is why I got the whiteboard out. I hope this is helpful. We're already out of time, so I'm going to go as quickly as possible. God creates a good creation. You can't see over there. God creates a good creation. Humans, Adam and Eve, and every human subsequently broke it. We broke God's good creation. Maybe we should go down, huh? And then in the center of history, Jesus' cross. He comes and experiences. Thank you. Thank you for laughing. He comes and experiences all of the brokenness that we have catapulted onto God's good creation. And then out of his cross, we get, I know, forgive me, listen. We get the resurrection, right? And out of resurrection, what the Christians believed is this thing called new life, new creation, right? Just like God created the world over here, and then we broke it, God is continuing with God's creation in a new way. The early Christians called this the eighth day because God creates in seven days, and then we broke it. This is the eighth day of creation. This is new creation. This is something brand new that's never been happened. The way that God always intended the world to be, God is going to make that in and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our good news. And so Christians have long said we exist in two realms. There's still the broken world, where sin and death have some power, but they do not have total control. They do not get the last word that we will all experience death at some point until Jesus finally returns. But also at the same time, Jesus' new creation is going. And at some point, our earthly existence is going to come to an end. But this eternal existence is going to go forever. Why am I bringing that up? Because Paul says, when you are baptized... You lay your old self, you lay this self, right? You lay this self in the water and you leave it there. And when you come up, you start walking in this. You invest there. You live there. By faith, you take on that whatever you do has eternal significance, has eternal value, and you are living in a stream of eternity, of new creation that emanates from Jesus' resurrection, and we get to be participants of it. Because we get to walk in the newness of life. That word again means new creation. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 says, when you are in Jesus, you are new creation. Sometimes people put A, new creation. No, you're part of that new creation that Jesus is doing that emanates from Easter. You have stepped into a new reality. This is what baptism is. We are participating in the death of Jesus so that we could die to our old self and the old creation and we can step into new creation and we can run in resurrection life, investing fully in God's eternal stream called the kingdom of God or new creation. That's what we're doing. We're walking in newness of life. My only metaphor and example that I'm going to give you is that yesterday there was a big parade. And a lot of you walked down to find a spot, but you didn't walk like they walked. These are people in our church. 
this is Mary, this is my son, this is Chrissy Riggs on her little moped. I guess she's not technically walking. This is my daughter as a, as a science fair winner. That's Matt and Julianne. Like, you walk, but you're walking, it's like in the, in the broken part. These people were walking, right? They walked in a different way, parading. This is what that walk word means, by the way, peripateo. They are treading. They, they walked. They are parading in God's new creation. Like, I know you're walking, but you're not walking like that. That's a different kind of walking. And this is what Jesus invites us to, to walk in a different way in this new stream of eternity called new creation that we get to step into because of what Jesus has done, because of our faith in Christ, and our baptism is a sign and symbol and a catalyst for helping us come out of that watery grave new, stepping into Jesus' new Easter, new creation life. Not You're not walking by your own power, you're walking in resurrection power. This isn't try harder. This is receive the gift that Jesus has done on your behalf. Proclaim it, participate in it, and let it shape you so that you can walk in the stream that goes on forever and ever and not invest all your time, energy, and resources in the way that will ultimately come to an end and leads to death. If we're united together in a death like his, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. That on the other side of cross is life. That's both spiritual now and literal later. And this is what we're doing in baptism. Questions? I'll wrap up. I'll be done. we got three more weeks. I'm trying to give it all to you right now. i got two. Excellent question. Um, what, what's the difference between sprinkling and dunking? Is that too... Uh, mundane to say it that way, and what happened in church history that allowed for the differences. For a long, long time, the church allowed either sprinkling or dunking. Um, sometimes it had to do with, uh, you know, availability of water. Sometimes it had to do with the ability of human beings. The first person I ever baptized was sprinkled because they couldn't, they had a physical disability where they couldn't get submerged under water. And so the church made all kinds of allowances. And then in, I don't know, Europe in the 15 and 1600s, um, some people said, hey, we really only see a, a dunking type situation, and so we're only going to do that. And then if you know anything about the history of the church, they started fighting each other over and killing each other over it because we're sinful human beings, broken from the inside out. Uh, but the church historic really allows for either. But there's some people that um, are very adamant that you can only do one. Um, and so that I think that's what happened, genuinely. And they see mostly in Scripture that people are mostly immersed in water, right? Mostly are biblical examples that people go under the water. Um, but the church has made exceptions and allowances throughout history. And so, uh, you know, it's up to you. Uh, we allow for both. I told you I was sprinkled. I prefer to immerse because sometimes people go to different churches and they make them feel like they didn't have a real experience and that would break my heart if someone made you question your experience of Jesus because they have a very particular understanding of what baptism should be. But I'll do it any way you want. Hot tub, your bathtub, the river, and water sprinkling. Um, we stand in the broader Christian tradition in that sense. Great question.
One more. Is going under the water symbolic of washing or dying or both? Good question, both. But for today, dying. <laughs> Next week, washing. This is what, my summary. God wants us to know that baptism is first a participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That water is like a grave where our old self is buried and we proclaim to walk in the cross-shaped way of Jesus that we would experience freedom from sins, imprisonment, and ultimately, what does God want us to do? Run, unshackled from the prison of sin in God's resurrection life. If you want to do a spiritual practice, name that sin that you feel like has just got a hold on you. And if you're bold, maybe tell someone. But ultimately, name it. Say it out loud. And uh, let's get Jesus' freedom for you from it. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you that we could receive this passage and get the good news of what our baptisms mean. Help us to live out the realities that we learned here. Help us to be participants. Help it to be an empowering place for us to walk in your way. Ultimately, we want to be free from the, the death-dealing sin of this world. We're here because we recognize that we need something. And we know that we can find it in you. Would you help us to experience that reality of freedom from sin and newness of life? Father, as we come to this, this table now, to this place of bread and cup, where you promised to meet us, to commune with us, would you help us to experience those baptismal realities? Freedom from sin, newness of life. Would this be spiritual nourishment, for us as we walk in your way, empowered by your means of grace and your Holy Spirit. And we'll give you praise for all that you do in our life. Table Church, will you help me end this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.